Hello and welcome to the Hoop Theory Podcast. My name is Logan Wortman. This is the Fat Lever episode, aka episode 12. I'm joined by everybody's favorite basketball guy to talk about basketball with, and that is Jacob Roth. Actually, yeah, there was a poll, and it was me followed by uh, Skip Bayless, and then uh, Shannon Sharp surprisingly came in third for America's favorite basketball takes. So, yep, yep, very accurate. So today, just catching up on both of our thoughts with the league because it's been a while, so there's a lot to talk about. Um, and starting off, I don't know if there's one like super obvious thing to start with. If there was, I would say it's probably Kevin Durant. It's probably the headline of this offseason. I don't even think I prepped you at all for this, but uh, what do you think of KD's trade request? And give me, I guess, your top couple of teams, you know, top handful of teams that you would like to see him on. I will put, give you the flip side first because, you know, Celtics fan, I have to put the gross, weird, unrelated Celtics spin on it. For people that are Celtics fans that think that we should trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant, literally move to Iowa. I don't want to talk to you ever again. But in real teams, I kind of don't. I want him to stay in Brooklyn uh, because I think it'd be funny uh, because they would trade. I don't know. I just think that uh, teams that I think, I think the Suns will probably end up getting him. Um, because Kevin Durant does not strike me as the guy to be like, hey, man, I appreciate you making an attempt to trade me and get me out of here. I'm still going to play my best for you. Kevin Durant does not scream like he's that type of player mm-hmm. for me. Um, then, I'll, But, yeah, the Suns is probably the biggest place I think he'll end up just because they have the assets. If they don't want to keep Aiton, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, there's a, The Suns have pieces that keep their core there because the Nets are like, we're looking for the biggest haul of all time. Um, mm-hmm. Which is funny because the uh, um, the Nets were actually part of one of the biggest uh, like craziest trades of all time, but they took the fat L and got old Paul Pierce and old KG, <laughs> and the Celtics have a blossoming future now. Yeah. So yeah, tied it into the Celtics twice. I think he'll end up a Sun, a hundred percent honest. I don't really know where else he could go. Like the, there's other places that have been thrown out, but it just doesn't make sense to me i'd like to see him go play with brad beal in washington mm-hmm. but i don't think they have the assets for it hmm. wizards honestly I, I feel like they'd have more to give than miami which was the other team you know they've it's been talked about a lot with them just because miami doesn't have you know i mean their draft picks aren't super appealing and like what in the world are you going to build a trade package for kd around out of you know miami's players beyond like bam and tyler hero you know which would definitely, you know, that would be a good trade package for Kevin Durant. But, like, what are you doing as an organization at that point if you're giving up? Like, I feel like at least Bam should be an untouchable for you, you know? I don't see Miami being that great of a contender if they do give up those two guys, you know? So, even if they do get KD in, in return, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, yeah, I would like to see him go home, too, to D.C. I highly doubt it. But, you know, they've got some younger pieces a lot of them actually, and picks. So maybe I could see that happening if Brooklyn Nets decide to go like full rebuild. Uh, yeah, Miami would be cool to see him go to. But yeah, like I said, I don't see very many ways they can get him. And then Phoenix, um, I like that one. And it's also a lot more realistic. So it's got both things going for him. As a Nuggets fan, I would not like to see that happen because this year is supposed to be our year finally. And that would kind of ruin or put a damper on things at least, if Kevin Durant showed up in Phoenix. I've heard Spurs a couple times too, 
I don't know what, if you've heard that too or if you had any thoughts on the Spurs. That would be good for our guy, Isaiah Roby, who just got picked up there off the waiver wire. Um, so kind of like the Miami thing, I kind of forgot that that was one of the places he asked for. Makes sense because they were, you know, the one seed. That seems to be his MO. Uh, leave, go to the one seed. Leave, go to the one seed. Well, I guess Brooklyn <laughs> wasn't the one seed. But um, no, I, I don't know how that would work. Kevin Durant and Greg Popovich just don't make sense in my brain. Mm. Not that Greg Popovich can't coach KD. I just don't know if KD can be coached by Greg Popovich, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I just don't... I, I just... That would be skeptical, and I think the Spurs have shown the world, hey, we're going to try and find our next uh, Tim Duncan in that really super skinny center that's in France right now and tank our soul off for him. That's That's what it feels like to me. But like I said... I'm, I'm not sure 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, New Orleans is one thing that I saw. I wasn't really sure what made sense or anything like that. But they just have a lot of draft picks to give up due to AD. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, a Brandon Ingram-esque player. Do you want KD for Brandon Ingram? Personally, this sounds gross. Do you? Really, though? If you're talking about, like, the Pelicans' window is not right now at all. So why would you... A guy that might hit the window with your window. He likes it in New Orleans, despite what everybody thought when he first got there. Do you remember that when uh, Brandon Ingram first got to New Orleans? He, like, looked just so gone. He was on a different planet, like, high out of his mind at the first press conference. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, he does not want to be there. But he's blossomed into a nice, nice 23-game player. Yeah, and yeah, it's for sure. Tw- 23 points a game, and he just blossomed into a nice little thing. But there's just a lot. It's going to be the Suns. I don't know where else he goes. I honestly hadn't really thought about New Orleans until you brought it up, and I'm really intrigued by that because, like, I don't know, it, when you were saying, um, do you want KD for Brandon Ingram, are you talking about from the Pelicans' side? Yes, right now I don't know if I was the Pelicans, but it sounds dumb because it's Kevin Durant. Of course you want Kevin Durant on your team. Mm-hmm. But if you have to give up more than just Brandon Ingram, let's say that, like, the picks you give up, let's say one of those picks turns into a decent center because the Lakers look like they're struggling. So those picks could be decent picks. Yeah. They could be really legitimately decent picks after LeBron. Like, they could be okay picks. So let's say that turns into a, not a generational center, but like a solid center, like a, a Bam Adebayo. Let's say it turns into that level of a player. Would you rather have older, like a Brandon Ingram and a Bam or a KD for a year or two? Mm-hmm. And that's where it like gets into a weird thing. Where I don't know. It just depends on what window you're looking at and trying to win. Yeah. But if it's yeah. in terms of I want to win more games next year, 100% you make the trade. But it's like a looking down the long long haul thing, which I don't know if David Murphy does that very well. But mm-hmm. he's still the GM, right? David Griffin, yeah. Griffin. Mm-hmm. Gr- David Murphy. I'm stupid. Trey Murphy is a player on their team. So mix and match. Yeah, so no, that, that was really good. You made uh, some good points there because I was completely on the other side of it from you until now <laughs> at the end of what you just said there. So I, I, I can see both sides, I guess, like the, you know, would you rather have Ingram and another impact player moving forward? It definitely makes sense. Cause, and like, especially like the KD for a couple years thing. Cause like what, what I was thinking at first is if you just give up Ingram and picks and get KD, I think that makes new Orleans a clear contender. You know, I think they would compete for a championship. Um, but then the thing is, you're relying on three guys mainly. I guess you can throw Jonas Valanciunas in there to make it a, somewhat of a big four, I guess. But 
mainly Zion, CJ, and KD. And all three of those guys are very, you know, injury prone, extremely. <laughs> so you're riding, you know, that luck, I guess, um, of all three of those guys uh, to take you to the finals. So that doesn't seem like a super um, stable championship ingredient. Yeah. So you make a good point. I don't know what I would do, honestly, if I was if I was New Orleans. Um, KD in a vacuum seems like it would be a pretty great thing to get, but with health and all that considered. So, yeah, I think that's enough for KD trade talks. We might revisit this another time. Um, obviously, the mo- most entertaining ones would have been Thunder or Golden State, but we can talk about that another time. And, yeah, so we'll move on to another really big, I guess, headlining uh, piece of news, which is the Gobert trade, which I've heard very, very, very mixed responses on. Some people I've heard like all the way say, like Bill Simmons, for example, said it was the trade he's hated most in the last 30 years. And some other people were very in favor of it for the Timberwolves. So yeah, I guess I want to hear your thoughts initially from it. Uh, Jacob, what do you think on the Timberwolves side of things for the Gobert trade? Okay, so I have not listened to the Bill Simmons podcast in a little bit, apparently, because mm-hmm. I the only thing I'm super duper duper upset about losing is Jared Vanderbilt's defense if the goal is to win next year. I personally thought that they needed to get rid of Pat Bev anyway and get a veteran that's not a child. Like, go find a vet that could, like be an Al Horford for the Celtics or go be what Tim Duncan turned into near the end of the Spurs years. That's just like steadying older vet presence and not like, I can't even, I can't make a sound to describe what Pat Beverly does. Like he just, (laughs) but you can go find a gritty guy that is just like a nice steadying presence for your young guys. Yeah. There's nothing. And that's what I thought. I thought they needed to flip Pat Bev for that. So not only did they do that, and I, I get that they lost depth. I get it. But this starting five could have been real. And this is going to touch it a little bit into the draft. But they could have ran D'Lo, Bryce McGowan's, Anthony Edwards, Cat, and Gobert. I get McGowan's is gone. That was a joke. That was a joke. Okay. But, like, that's a scary starting four. The four guys that are there, that's yeah, four guys that are have been an all-star, will be an all-star, or are actively always in the conversation to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. In Minnesota. And you lost Malik Beasley, right? Yep. Jared Vanderbilt. That's the biggest loss for me. But but yeah, I'm like, in what world is it a bad thing? That's like a win, not a win now move, but it makes you infinitely better right now. None of these guys are like crazy old. Gobert being tall doesn't get worse as he gets old. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I'm, and maybe I'm wrong, but just from my brain, it is a very good thing for the T-Wolves, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be a very fun team to watch. I have them as my fifth funnest team to watch, because I made a list of teams that I am going to be excited about. Fifth funnest team to watch in the NBA next year. Yeah. Okay, well, I wouldn't disagree with you on that, the fun part. Um, and I don't know if I, I... I definitely wouldn't I wouldn't say that I super agree with Bill Simmons' take on it. But just to play devil's advocate, I'll like kind of paint out the picture of, of why it, I could consider it a really horrible trade for the Timberwolves, or at least why Bill Simmons thinks so. You know, he the thing that bothers him and bothered me right away when I saw the trade was just how how much draft capital is in it. 
like it's essentially six picks. If you're, I mean, Walker Kessler was a first pick for our first round pick this year. So he's basically a, a first round pick. And then uh, one of those other six is a pick swap. Um, but then the rest of them are completely unprotected other than one in, in 2027. The farthest out one is a top five protected. So there's three unprotected first round picks in there. And you're getting a guy that, you know, he is a superstar. He's a top five defense in and of himself in the regular season, at least. But he is on like a ginormous contract that he'll be. So he'll be getting paid max money at the age of 34 um, at the end of it. Um, And also the two guys that you're paying like all of your money to are both centers, which is interesting. I know Cat is a little bit of a hybrid. You know, I see him as being able to play stretch four. That's why I kind of do really dig this Gobert and Towns pairing. But I do also see the point of you're locking up all your money into those two guys and you still haven't paid Edwards yet. And then also, I'm not a huge fan of D'Lo personally. I've, I've rooted for him in the past, but, you know, at these playoffs this year, uh, he basically was dropped out of the rotation by the end of the playoff series against uh, the Grizzlies. They were playing Jordan McLaughlin over him. And, you know, it's weird. Like he's, I, I think Ryan Rossillo has said it like this, where he's like, uh, D'Angelo Russell is like a super talented playmaker. And like, he's just a really talented player. He does all these things that other people can't do. He does them well. But then like all the basic stuff that a point guard should do or like all the, the basic stuff that other people do well, he like doesn't do at all or he's like very bad at. I don't know how super accurate that is, but it, you know, I think that has some sort of validity to it. So I don't know if I would throw him in there as like a one, like as a four guy, super scary lineup, uh, definitely three guys at least. So yeah, lost a little bit of depth. And then also the, all the draft picks that were given up for Gobert. I was just surprised by when I saw the trade. I was like, I did, I had no idea that Gobert was going to command this much. So they obviously were in a bidding war with somebody, I would say, uh, Timberwolves were, um, but yeah, so I have mixed feelings on it, I guess, but my initial reaction to it was like, this is a little, little wild. Um, wasn't expecting that. So hopefully they can build a little bit better of a perimeter defense around him in Minnesota than they were able to in Utah because that was, you know, the big problem uh, that, that that Utah has faced in the last several years now. So as long as they can do that, you know, they'll contend somewhat, at least be like a second round type of team, maybe. This West is going to be really tough this year, though, with all these teams coming back. So, yeah, I guess that's that's my thoughts on the Gobert trade. Do you have anything else to add on that? No, I might have been too dramatic after hearing the sheer like aggressiveness of Bill Simmons' take. Also, oh yeah, like but like no, I definitely think that I don't think it was a bad trade for the Wolves. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize none of the picks were protected, so that changes it a little bit more for me. It honestly might end up being a neutral trade. Mm. The Wolves feel like the Hawks did two years ago to me. Just in terms of not in how they play. Just like they're like it's it's gonna tip over and people will be like wow how did they make this deep playoff run oh and yeah. it'll just be like they just had all the pieces hit at the right time mm-hmm. Chris Finch when he actually has the ability to like just look how much better they got from Bubble or not Bubble from like uh, I can't remember who got fired the really young guy before Chris Finch uh, Ryan Saunders he so yeah Saunders Finch starts they have a great second half of that season. Then this year, they had a good year. They made the play-in, as everybody remembers, Pat Bev freaking out. 
Um, and so I just think that I just think that they're a team that could be like Warriors run into them in the first round, and it's like, oh wow, this game went, this went to seven games. How? Why? It doesn't make sense. Mm. Doesn't have to make sense. It'll just be like it just happens. Yeah. And also, um, with the absolute atrocity of a job that like what the Jazz tried to do was have Rudy Gobert and then a three play defense, and that was like their defensive game plan. Sometimes they'd have a four play, but it was like Joe Ingles try to play defense. Yeah, Jay Crowder play the four, and then that's how we're going to help out our all-defensive center and expect him to cover everything and then be confused when he gets switched on and becomes a liability when guards just bully him because we don't have any help defense afterwards. Mm-hmm. They just became really heliocentric on the defensive end, if you will allow me to use a big word. Yeah, I know it works on offense, but it doesn't on defense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what was the other thing? Yeah, uh, Tim Connolly from the Nuggets. You know, he was the Nuggets GM for quite a few years now. He drafted Jokic and everybody. But then now this is his first year with Minnesota, and he made this made this move. And the one thing that has seemed to work really well against the Nuggets in games um, defensively works against Jokic in particular is when teams go big where they have, like, two rim protectors on the floor at a time, like how the Celtics uh, were able to guard him really well, put Al Horford on him one-on-one, and then have Rob Williams as a roamer on the backside. And so I, I honestly think that Tim Connolly did this intentionally um, when he got to Minnesota. was like This was a, a deal that he made with the Nuggets in mind uh, where he's getting two shot blockers you know, in his, in his starting lineup uh, to be able to handle the nuggets in a way that he knows uh teams can so that part of it makes me feel a little betrayed but you know at the same time it's a business uh tim kindly just has to go get his bread but yeah so and then the other thing was yeah the jazz their perspective on this deal i think they're kind of just going into a rebuild but it, it you know it could go either way they could try to half blow this up and then cash in those assets for something else to build around Donovan Mitchell with on the fly. Or, you know, we could be seeing Donovan Mitchell go somewhere new, which I don't know where that would be, but that'll be something to watch, I guess. Yeah. And then, so I guess we can get into the draft now because I've got one more thing before we move on. Yeah. You kind of touched on the jazz a little bit. One of the first things that popped into my mind, and I don't know numbers or how realistic it would be, but I thought that whole, like, Okay, this it looks like a rebuild, but they're just gonna flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. Sending some sort of package to Phoenix, because mm. Aiden doesn't like it in Phoenix, and I feel like we've brought him up a couple times. Yeah, as a guy that's not, ha- but like that replaces your hole at center. Yeah, it kind of moves you in this direction of like Aiden's a good defensive center, not as good as Gobert at this select shot blocking thing, but he does a better job on the perimeter. So maybe they're like they got capital, and then. Sending a guy like it won't be Pat Bev, but sending like a package to go get Aiton, mm-hmm. put one of those picks in there because Suns are short on picks. I think I'm pretty sure they traded. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I might be wrong on the picks thing, but like yeah, I'm not flipping sure. it there and then going and finding a just kind of doing a just a pivot instead of it being this full rebuild. Maybe see how the team plays and then into the season a little bit and then flip it or flip it before the season starts. Just see how things go. Yeah, no, that would be a really good one. I'm glad you thought of that. Um, Aiton and, and Mitchell together would be good. I I feel like they would have a similar issue. I feel like they would still need to solve the defense around Aiton problem. You know what I mean? Around that center spot. 
uh, which Patrick Beverly helps a lot with. Jared um, Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt. Like they yeah. have a real four, mm-hmm. not a three playing four. They would have a real four playing power forward. Yeah, and who can switch and help. Jared Vanderbilt's like my favorite player in the NBA for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if it's a smile or what, but he's just big fan of Jared Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Me too. I'm, I wish the Nuggets still had him, to be honest. But yeah, so I think that's good on the Gobert trade. Some interesting takes there, some interesting thoughts. So usually the draft is probably like our most hype time of the year for us. I feel like, yeah. Would you agree with that? No, usually I like our friend, like our the National Bingo Association gets really pumped mm-hmm. for draft time. Like we're always like, oh, what's gonna happen? Both NFL and NBA. At least me and Anthony get pretty pumped for the NFL one. But yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So I thought it just makes sense to at least talk about the draft because we haven't yet, which is not normal. But you know, let's get into it. I guess. Let's start off with the you know the main part of the draft, the top the top three, the order they went in. For me, at least, with the the top three, we were hearing at first, you know, that it was going to be uh, Jabari one, and then Chet and Paulo uh, in that order. That's what was reported like for a few weeks before that, and then like it got full on reported by Woj just like that morning, I believe, of the draft uh, of draft day, and you know, I thought it, it really could have gone in any order, but like. That was that was what I liked the most in terms of the fit for what teams they went to. I think you felt the same way on that. You know, I really liked Jabari in Orlando. I liked Chet in um, OKC for the most part. But the one I liked the most was Paulo to Houston. And honestly, I was a little bit disappointed that we got that Woj tweet because I was really excited for the, the suspense because we haven't had a draft like that in a while where it's like, we don't know who's going number one. You know, I really wanted that. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed when it felt like we did know. But then just like, for me at least, it was like minutes before the pick where I actually started seeing all the, wait, I th- it's actually going to be Paulo. Like, he's going to go first. And so then I was like, wait, what? It, like, And then I didn't know what was going to happen. So that, that was really nice to have that like suspense right there uh, for the first pick. It's somewhat unusual. So, yeah, what about you? I was no kind of the same thing. The NBA draft is something that we always get excited for, but it's something that always, like, bums me out because I tried it this year as I didn't look at Twitter all day. I didn't look at anything. I turned off my Bleacher Report notifications, and I just watched the draft through, like, mm-hmm. my like, I watched the draft as close to, like, live as I could just to keep it fun. And so I didn't see anything like that, but that is that's awesome. That it was like, mm-hmm. but I've also seen tweets after the fact that this is the year that Woj has been passed. <laughs> it is now Shams or Shams or however you say it. Yeah, that he's the new he's the new Woj. He's the one that people because he he's like I feel like would have been a couple anyway. That's not the draft. Focusing on the draft, <laughs> I had the exact same opinion as you. I really wanted to see Banchero play with the Rockets. See how that would work. How they've turned into just like, we're young, we play offense, defense sometimes doesn't matter, ever. Like, that's just how they played. And I liked uh, Holmgren for the Thunder, just tall, skinny people in uh, in OKC, feels right. Um, and I, did, I just don't love Jabari Smith. I think he'll be a good NBA player. I just, out of the top three guys, I felt like he was the least NBA ready, if that makes sense. Or he just has mm. some things that, like, shooting translates. Defense translates, mm-hmm. but what also translates that he doesn't do hustle of any kind, 
But yeah, anyway, I think it was uh, Ryan Rossillo that talked about how like he does a lot of things right, but there's some things that you're just like. Yeah, I've heard Ryan Rossillo doesn't. He's not super high on Jabari. Um, no, and I and I try to not just be like, oh, this guy said this, but so like I went and watched. Uh-huh. Granted, it was things that like I tried to watch both sides, and there's moments where like this guy is one of the best players I've seen in a while, and then there's other moments where like, what? Mm-hmm. How'd you mess that? What? Yeah, but yeah, in a, like a pretty simple way, I guess the way I kind of viewed these three guys was like Jabari. You know, the knock against him is I think he has less surefire star potential but then he has like more of the basic building blocks of like being able to contribute right away to a team in a in any type of role so that was that was the thing that i thought you know i i liked about him or i i had going for him i guess where you know he's got the shot definitely the best shooter out of the three um definitely the best i don't want to say definitely the best defender out of the three because chet was amazing in college at least in terms of projecting into the NBA, it seems like Jabari is definitely the more surefire, like versatile defender. And he's just has like immense size for that wing position. So all those things were really good. But I, I would agree that I think Paulo Bancaro should have been like the number one pick. That is what ended up happening. And I think that he, he makes the most sense as like the uh, upside, you know, superstar potential type of pick. And that's what Orlando got, I think. So. And I've heard also that a lot of Orlando fans were actually upset with the Paulo Bancaro pick because of how how they've been talking the last like you know several months just between Chet and Jabari, like who who they're they're gonna get basically, and then out of nowhere they're like, oh, there's this other guy that we that we had you know has paid the least amount of, of attention to, that all of a sudden he's the guy we're getting now. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny, but. I just I love I love when that happens where people in front offices aren't revealing what they're actually going to do and stuff like that. So that was nice to have. And Chet going to OKC, which I've heard Sam Presti liked him the most out of all the three. Like if he had the first pick, he was going to take Chet Holmgren regardless, which makes sense. He, and he is just like the best pairing. It's like it, it's it's too good to be true to have him and Pokashevsky on the same team. Poku. Yeah. So that's going to be a blast. But yeah, they had a crazy draft this year. I don't even remember how many players they ended up with, but they had a lot of picks. They had so many picks, they took two guys with the same name, <laughs> Jalen Williams. Uh, they have two Jalen Williams on their team now. Which are like both of them, actually. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people call the Thunder the winners of the draft. But yeah, so... I think that's probably who I would go with in a pinch too, just because of the sheer amount of people that they got, they got in the draft. And they also had the number two pick who was like arguably the number one pick. So yeah. Do you have any other candidates, I guess, for like winners of the draft? Worst. I had Minnesota had the worst draft because they traded away McGowan's after they picked him. Um, <laughs> so that kind of sucks for them. Just kidding. But uh, so like I just, I did give everybody a brief, quick letter and then like a quick sentence. Uh, for OKC, I said OKC did it again. Had a great draft, maybe the best out of anyone. Uh, it's kind of how I felt like Orlando did last year until the people didn't work out. I was like, man, Orlando had a really solid draft last year, and then like none of the, like Wagner ended up being kind of a super not exciting player. Even though I just felt like last year Orlando had a nice draft. This year I felt like OKC was like they just flipped stuff, got the people they wanted, 
And it, I think that the, they're my most fun team to watch. I think that they're going to be the most fun. Josh Giddy, we're recording this on the 7th, in a Subberlean game had the most disgusting mm-hmm. dunk and then stood over, gets a technical. And I was like, wow. Well, because they're just going to be they're going to be a fun team to watch. Giddy, Shea, Dort, this weird, skinny tall Poku's probably not going to play, but it's just this fun, yeah. But the one they still thing, need. Go ahead. Sorry, keep going. I was just going to say they still need shooting though. They have all these misfit toys, but like none of them can shoot for the most part, which will be a problem. But Lou Dort has grown as a shooter, so yeah. watch your language. Yeah, sorry, but sorry. he's not the uh, you know number one floor spacer on a floor type of guy. But yeah, no, that's a very true. They don't have one of those, but they're also not going to win that many games this year. Yeah. Um, uh, my other take: Keegan Murray, bad pick. Iowa sucks. So terrible pick for number four. Um, <laughs> a big fan of Jalen Ivy. Um, I I really really hope secretly that they turn into like a a Dame C J McCollum thing in Detroit. I really like mm. uh, Jaden Ivy. Um, I think he'll fit. It seems weird to use that high of a pick on guards back-to-back, but Ivy was just the guy, and I really – I think it'll work out for him. I, I really hope it does. Yeah, uh, and they're both they're both basically wings, especially Cade. Cade yeah. is definitely a wing. But, like, Jaden Ivy's a big guard. You know, he's yeah. like a John wall size guy. So it works. No, I, I agree. Denver, I, I'll, I'll read this one. I gave him a C. Kansas sucks. That a good draft, but Braun is the archetype that works around Jokic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for sure. They probably had a better draft than that, but it, I just said Kansas sucks because I also said the same thing for uh, Cleveland. Kansas is overrated is what I said for Oh, I buy But you. they will have the Mobley brothers, so yeah. that could be fun. Yeah. That'll be like a, a cool little zip and zap like the Lopez brothers, but maybe it'll work. Yeah, I think it were kind of like the Antetokounmpo brothers just to have Thanasis on the Bucks because Giannis <laughs> is there type of thing. Yeah. That's very right. actually a way better example than the Lopez brothers. <laughs> I give this uh, I give the Celtics an A plus. <laughs> oh really? Uh, Remind me again. Yeah, who yeah. They... The Celtics went out and got an athlete. I'm blanking on his name now too. I didn't even write it down because I figured I would just know it. He's got his name is like JD. This is gonna make me look like the most clown Celtics fan of all time. It's like DJ or JD. Why is my brain turning off? It's all right. You've got a lot of things going on. You have you have to remember a lot oh of stuff. Oh my gosh! I don't. I honestly can't remember who you, who you're no, talking I, about either. What? He's you know what number? What number of pick? Celtics had. I can't even. Twenty-seven. Oh. JD JD Davidson. Gosh dang it. Oh okay. I do remember. Fifty-third. I don't know why I thought we had twenty-seven. Oh, fifty-third. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, no, he's literally um, just an athlete, not a single ounce of basketball in his body he's just a freak athlete <laughs> uh from shades of Amon Shumpert as uh, uh Kevin O'Connor would say shades of yeah but yeah no uh that's what I put so no Celtics did it it's a nothing it means literally nothing all of their uh wonderful things in Bradby Trust have been done in uh free agency mm-hmm. can I break down the Nuggets draft yes go bit. for I would actually like to see where because I only like looked at Braun, and then I was like, I have no clue who the other two people are. Mm-hmm. I do, but I, I don't enough, so I would love to hear that. Yeah. So when I saw a few, I don't know how long ago before the draft it was, but whenever the Nuggets traded Jamichael Green to OKC for the 30th pick, and you know, obviously we had the 30th and the 21st pick in the draft, I was like, you know, 
we usually don't draft very many players. So that's probably like a deal to package those picks together to move up to like 15 is what I thought. Uh, try to go get um, either Agbaji from Kansas or AJ Griffin from Duke. So those were my top two guys that was like, I really want the Nuggets to get one of these two guys. And I, I really thought with the 21st and 30th pick, that's what they were going to try to do. They ended up not doing that. I heard that they have tr- they were trying to do that, but they couldn't find a deal uh, to actually make. Um, so they ended up just you know drafting two guys in the first round, which that's fine too. And they ended up getting a guy not too far off from what I wanted uh, up at like 15 with the 21st pick. Because like on literally on my wish list, and if you guys have listened to the podcast before, then you you probably know that when I watch the draft uh, from the Nuggets point of view, I like to kind of make notes of who I would take, who's left on the board at the Nuggets pick. And so this year, um, number one, like I said, I had either Griffin or Agbaji, probably Griffin first and then Agbaji. And then after that, it was Malachi Branham, who made it all the way to pick 20. So the pick right before the Nuggets the Spurs took Malachi Branham from Ohio State. And then that next pick, so right before it was ours, I took a look at the names really quick. And the guy who was literally number four, like on my big board for guys to, for the Nuggets to get, was Christian Brown from uh, Kansas. You know, for similar reasons, just being a 3 and D wing, mainly. A uh, smaller wing is kind of what this the spot that I really wanted to fill in. So yeah, that's that's who we got. I think this is the first year of me like doing this where the team actually did take the uh, the player that I was gonna pick myself. Um, so that was cool. And then at, at thirty, they got Peyton Watson, which I am actually blanking on where he went to school right now. And I don't think I really knew of him before they they took him because um, I, I was not near as studied up on the draft this year as prepared or as uh, compared to other years. But apparently he's just like a completely like what your guys's um, pick was a very raw athlete. I heard some people call him like the biggest upside uh, in terms of defense in the draft, but has very, very little uh, on the offensive end. So I, you know, knowing the Nuggets and knowing Michael Malone, um, I'm sure he's probably not going to get very much time. Um, and I'm OK with that because of the roster we have coming back this year. But Christian Brown might actually get into the rotation a bit at times, um, especially with, you know, injuries here and there. And I think he, he'll he slide in well. And then the, there was one more guy that, that we got in the second round. I think it was the 40-something pick. Um, and it was Kumagante. I don't want to butcher his name. I think I just did. But I, I know that he was a – he's like a rim protector, rim runner type guy uh, that's supposed to, at least, like they project him to be able to – switch across positions, which is the exact type of defensive player that I've said for multiple years now that I would like to pair Jokic with. Probably not going to pan out because it's a pick in the 40s, but who knows? Um, so is Jokic once upon a time. So um, yeah, that was my my perspective, I guess, with the Nuggets draft, my thoughts on it. So I'm very happy with the how the Nuggets offseason has gone so far. The only thing that I... Now I'm just talking about the Nuggets, but the only thing that I've hated, absolutely hated about this offseason for the Nuggets was the DeAndre Jordan signing. Because I just feel like there's no reason. Like, why in the world are we signing DeAndre Jordan? Why is somebody still paying him money to play in the NBA? I didn't like that one. I like the KCP pickup. 
in, in that trade, you know, and then Bruce Brown, another great one. But I would much rather, I would rather have Roby picked up off the waivers, our guy from Nebraska, rather than having DeAndre Jordan, uh, to be honest. But, you know. Um, Do you want to jump on Roby while you brought it up? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's ride that segue really quick. Dean Kamen, the inventor of the segue, would be proud of us. <laughs> Trivia fact of the day. <laughs> what was the name? Dean Kamen. Dean Kamen. Okay. I'll have to keep that in my back I, pocket. Probably not. I believe but. this also might be wrong. I think he died because he drove a Segway off a cliff. I've heard that. I've heard that the inventor of the Segway <laughs> died on a Segway. I have heard that. I know his name is Dean Kamen. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. No, that's all real. Wow. Give it a goog. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of Roby. Yeah. Okay. So, with Roby... Just for background, I don't know who's listening to this that wouldn't know, but we're from Nebraska, the great beef state. He's got a Lord of the Rings Nebraska-style map there. <laughs> There's no video. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot oh. about that, too. You guys are just listening to us. Because I, I like unbuttoned my shirt and got comfortable because I have a sunburn. Oh, geez. Wow. That looks pretty nasty. So, yeah. Unless the internet wants to see my average chest hair, but that doesn't matter. Sorry. <laughs> Roby, um, yeah, so Isaiah Roby, uh, 45th pick of the 2019 draft. Um, I'm pretty positive. So, yeah, he was picked originally, but I'm not going to go into all of that. Anyways, uh, Isaiah Roby, <laughs> he, this summer, um, I was looking forward to it for a while. I knew that this was going to be like a team option decision coming up on his deal. Um, I was talking to my brother-in-law about it because, again, more context, they were roommates in college and played at Nebraska together, uh, really good friends. So, you know, I was I was looking forward to seeing what, what was going to happen with this team option because of just, you know, the very crazy direction that OKC has been going in the past couple years uh, where they're just constant turnover on their roster um, to get younger and younger. And yeah, so I was worried about it a little bit. And then all of a sudden I saw they picked up his option. I was a little surprised, but I was, you know, pretty glad that they, they retained him. And then uh, less than a week later, it was like just a couple hours, I believe before the deadline where his money became fully guaranteed which this is the first time I've ever even heard of this. I didn't know this was a thing where that had like a seven day period before the money sticks. So right before that, the Thunder cut him. And apparently they were even telling him all the way up until that point that uh, him and, and his agent, that he didn't need to be worrying about anything. They were going to keep him. They didn't have to be, you know, looking around anywhere for other options, which seems like a little bit of a shady thing to do. But I kind of get it too because, you know, I've heard that some players really act weird with front offices that they know they were thinking about trading them or were thinking about getting rid of them at a certain point and then ended up not. So I kind of get that. But anyways, uh, he ended up getting cut. And then, so he was on the waiver wire for, he, he was going to be on there for 48 hours. And so the waiver order is based on the, uh, team record from last season. So the worst teams in the league have, you know, first dibs. And so, uh, he was on the waiver wire for people to, you know, claim him pick up his current deal. So that last year on his deal for 1.9 mil, that was kind of up for grabs. And so teams that we were hearing that he might go to was, you know, San Antonio, which obviously ended up happening, but a few other ones were like 
Phoenix and Chicago, I believe too, um, which is where, you know, he's from. So that would have been cool too. Uh, Warriors is another one I heard a few times and I actually would have loved that. I think that was like the ideal would have been the ideal situation for him where it's like the best team possible while still being like a place where he would be used the most because they just lost Bielitsa and Otto Porter and Gary Payton for that matter. Um, there would have been like actual, you know, spot for him. So, but you know, he did end up going to San Antonio, which it seems a little murky at this point because San Antonio normally you would think is, you know, stand up organization, great place to play. I'm not saying that's changed right now, but you know, they did just trade DeJounte Murray, the best player traded him for draft capital, uh, which is the type of move you make right before you go like full rebuild mode. But then on the other hand, they're the Spurs. They've never tanked before, um, at least not to my knowledge. And Greg Popovich is still their head coach, and he's 73 years old and doesn't seem like the tanking type of dude. So we'll see what happens there. Ultimately, I just feel like they're going to be trying to compete but just not have enough on their roster to really you know, get anywhere ultimately um, other than maybe compete for you know, a playing spot if they're lucky. But... Yeah, I guess what were your thoughts on the Roby thing? I was kind of like, the minutes he got, it's not like he like wasted his minutes when he got him, when he was in OKC. Oh, yeah. So I was like, he's going somewhere. It just was where. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, that was my, like, there's no way that he doesn't have a spot on a roster. So I was like, bummed, but I was like, you know what? He'll find a spot. He'll get, he'll get his minutes. Yeah, no. He plays a role that is needed across the NBA. Just that kind of like bigger wingish guy. He doesn't play it, obviously, at the highest level. But he plays it at an efficient level. Um, so I knew he'd have a job. It just depended on where, what jersey he was going to be wearing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't even go into yeah his on-the-court value, which I probably should have. But yeah, just the fact that he shot so well last season, shot over 44% uh, from the three-point line at a size of 6'8". I think he's like 230 as well. So really, really good size, especially in this modern era, to play a small ball center. Um and he has like the post skills and like the, the experience doing that as well. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that's going to slide into a roster. He's still young, only 24 years old. Um, and he's got, he's got a little bit of, you know, spice to him as well on the offensive end, a bit ability to create his own shot to a certain extent. I think the biggest thing moving forward for him to really solidify a role for a team is the defensive end, just really locking in on that end and being able to uh, stay in front of, you know, guys when he gets switched on to them or um even just defending those bigger wing types um so yeah those are our roby thoughts i guess uh new segment (laughs) i don't know if there will be another edition but um yeah so let's move into the celtics now this is like kind of one of the mainer i don't know if mainer is a word but one of the more main reasons um why I decided to have Jacob on to talk was to talk about the Celtics, which I'm very, very interested in uh, his thoughts on it. And also just them as a team, this, this upcoming season, they're definitely one of the more intriguing, more exciting teams going into this year because of what happened in the off season, as well as what they've done this past season. So I'll just turn it over to Jacob. Just let out all your thoughts on the Boston Celtics. Yeah, so um, to start, I guess, uh, looking at the season, I I was, like, obviously you're bummed you make it to the championship and you lose after 
not commanding, but looking like you were on the point of getting a three-one lead. Um, I was like, okay, we can, we can, we could do this. We're still weirdly young, um, but I think we learned a lot in that series. Like, cause they always talk about athletes talk about you don't know what it takes to win until you win, and I feel like the Celtics kind of got hit with that. As in, like, we learned a lot of things from it. Uh, Jason Tatum struggled a little bit offensively, but he figured out, well, I could be a facilitator when my team's struggling. If I need to facilitate, I can facilitate. Trust my guys. Jalen Brown, I think he did a really good job of being the hot hand. I wish just figuring out the timing of that was the biggest struggle, I think. Because, like, I saw in these finals, we kind of turned back into that, like, Jason, your turn to ISO. Jalen, your turn to ISO. Marcus Smart, you do whatever the heck you do on offense. <laughs> like, it just, it kind of turned into this, like, I don't want to say weird, but, like, we didn't feel like the same team that had just beaten the Bucks in the Heat in seven. Like, I didn't feel like we were the same team after probably game, honestly, game four, when Steph went off for 46. I'm like, the whole thing that got me excited is, like, we were built to beat, if a guard is an offensive threat, we had the tools to throw the kitchen sink at him and slow him down. And Steph also, I'd argue, put himself in the top three point guards of all time conversation with that. Not performance, just the series in general. So that's, but like, I think we learned a lot. You go through every guy, Robert Williams played through injury. That's not an easy thing to do. And it seems like, oh, whatever, just do it. You're getting paid millions. But to physically put your body on the line for your teammates and do things like that, that was a big thing. Al Horford, even though he didn't need practice, got even better at being that steadying voice, that vet. Just there was a lot of guys that got good, I don't want to say life lessons, but good lessons. So I'm bummed we lost. But then we moved into the offseason, and I did not know how we would get better. I didn't know what we would do. I was like, honestly, run it back. I like the team that we have. I think the people we have can develop. Like I was like, Neesmith had a bad shooting year, but maybe he'll come off and be able to provide more offense. Um, Grant Williams slowly got better at being that almost Draymond Green-like, like mm-hmm. annoying power forward that just doesn't move and can guard the Giannis. Guard is a relative term when you're referring to Giannis, but like can be that force on Giannis and things like that. Work with Rob Williams, kind of develop into this backcourt with him and, and do all these things. And we did a lot of things right. But then it's like went out and found the thing that I think you're the one that first pointed me in this direction because I've always been mad we haven't had a center. For like th- since Kyrie, I'm like, I love Daniel Tice. I love Aaron Baines, but they are not a championship center. They're not going to win a championship with those dudes playing center. Mm-hmm. As much as I am a big fan of both of those players, Aaron Baines come home. <laughs> I just don't want them playing center if I'm trying to win a championship. But then you were like, well, a playmaker could help. Like just a true. And I think Marcus Smart evolved in that a ton. Mm-hmm. But then we're like we were got caught against the Warriors as our bench struggled so bad because starters couldn't play with bench guys because the playmaker wasn't playing because Marcus Smart went off and Marcus Smart was dishing it and people were missing and things like that. And then we just went and got Malcolm Brogdon for dirt for literally just here's Daniel Tice, uh, here is um, Aaron Neesmith. We lost Neesmith. That would bum me out because he did just have a down year last year. But I don't even know if we gave up a pick. I think there might have been a pick, just a, like a singular pick. I might even be wrong on that. But it was Tice, Neesmith. It was, it, a tw- it's next year's first round pick also. Okay. But it was Tice, Neesmith. Those were the two big pieces. And then Fitz. Stauskas, who I don't know if he's going to play. 
if he's not going to retire or not. Malik Fitz, super fun guy off the bench. Doesn't play off the bench, but is just a fun locker room guy. If you like, you watch like the sidelines. He's one of those fun guys to watch. And Jawan Morgan, mm. and then that 2023 first round. I just googled to make sure I had it right. Yeah, I was reading somewhere that the original thing that the Pacers asked for, the original trade that the Pacers brought up was Grant Williams for Nick Staus. Not for Grant Williams, Nick Staus, because Malik Fitz, Jawan Morgan, and the and I can't remember if the pick was on it for Malcolm Brogdon. Like it mm-hmm. was a bigger piece, but then Brad Stevens somehow said Aaron e. Smith and Daniel Tice. Which, I guess maybe when you go to on-court value, it's not actually that, like, stark difference of a trade. Mm-hmm. But just for, like, so many things I like about what Grant Williams does. Like, he's just, like, energy guy. Yeah, and just, like, guys that play for you, too, you know? Like, Tice played a little bit, Neesmith in that, really. But, like, the amount of minutes even them, like, combined played was less than than Grant Williams, you know? And when you're getting down to a playoff rotation, you can't play that many players. Like, it's just more valuable to have it in one guy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, like, and this was me thinking, like, way down the road, Boston's had a negative stereotype for a long time in terms of guys coming there in free agency. Just the people say the city of Boston, all these things. Danny Ainge was, like, a guy that people didn't like to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, just in, And, like, Grant Williams is a beloved guy across a lot of the NBA. I don't know why. I know referees don't like him. But I know that, like, in terms of players, he's, like, a well-liked guy. So keeping a guy like that in Boston, just for the future, that sounds like a weird way down the road thing to think about. But, like, let's just say that there's, like, some guy that's got a great relationship. For example, there was a weird – did you see this picture of a bunch of random NBA players all in, like, a party dressed in white? And it was, like, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, Carmelo Anthony, um, I think DeJounte Murray. It was, like, the weirdest – like – Hold on. I'll Google it. It was like the banana boat squad or whatever they called that. The boat oh, squad yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was boat. like a super random assortment of people. And it was like one of the white all white parties thing? Yeah. And it was... Where is it at? I'm not going to find it now because I don't know what to Google exactly. But it was like, what is this? Yeah. But it was Jason Tatum. Probably like a well-liked superstar type of guy. Uh, PJ Tucker was also one of the people there. Mm-hmm. It just was this weird, I just didn't even understand the assortment of people that were there. But that's not the point. I just was glad to keep Grant Williams. I loved the Brogdon picked up. And then, to top it all off, Gallo cleared waivers. Yep. And we signed Gallo in the same day. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I don't know in what world we didn't get better. I just am like... Yeah, what was the deal that you got Gallo on? Was it off waivers or was it after the waivers that you picked him up? It was off waivers. It was oh, after so waivers. It's the same. It's just, oh, it's after waivers. So it wasn't the 20 mil? No. It is for a, I will look at the contract right here. Mid-level exception. Wow, okay. So like, I, I don't know what that is this year, but it used to be like 6 mil in that range. It's probably a little bit higher now. Yeah. But getting Gallo, like... Yeah, no, perfect. Wow. No, I I was just elated. Shout out to Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Obviously, not. he's not the a defensive piece that all the other players are on, on your team, but um, definitely gives you a little bit of spice on the offensive end. 12 minutes off the bench for some spicy offense? 
mm-hmm. 15 minutes. And just crazy floor spacing. Oh, my goodness. Like, all the way to the logo, basically. Maybe oh, not man. that far, but very far. No, He doesn't have to move, and he can put up, like, 15 points a game. No, he's literally the type of guy that, like, oh, comes in, forget about him. He hits three threes on back-to-back-to-back possessions, and then the whole momentum slipped. He, like, he could be what Al Horford did, minus, the, like, in that, like, game one of the finals, where Al Horford's like, I'm dropping 26. Mm-hmm. But no, I was I was just over the moon on that pick. Yeah, no, I definitely understand why. I was floored by just the sheer upgrade that the Celtics were able to achieve, like, just all of a sudden. I was not expecting it, like you said. It was just like, all of a sudden, they had Brogdon, and I was like, how? <laughs> And I saw the deal, and I was like, how is there not another team willing to give up more, you know, than they did for Brogdon? I get probably, like, maybe the the health concerns thing. But, like, the Celtics, they lost basically nothing in that deal, you know? Like, a, a first-round pick isn't nothing, but... They lost center minutes. Yeah, who wasn't even always in the rotation, especially, like, towards the end, you know, in the finals and stuff. Sometimes he didn't even get to play. When they locked down the rotation playoff time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that is just a deal you make 100 times out of 100. And then, yeah, just, you got guys that can play, you know? That's why Celtics are are probably my number one pick for a championship next year. You know, obviously want my Nuggets to get there. That would be great. A Denver, Boston. We're going to a game. Regardless of money. Just kidding. I can't say that because we don't got money like that. Um, but we're going to a game almost no matter what. Yes, for sure. Maybe we need to make the Celtics Nuggets game work regard like the regular season one. Mm-hmm. Like just start. But yeah. Anyway, I was very happy with the Celtics. Yeah, as you should have been. So yeah, I guess that can conclude. I guess our uh, Celtics talk. We can finish this one out with uh, just talking about basically other moves that we kind of glossed over or haven't touched on. Um, other moves that you liked or disliked that come to mind. One that comes to mind for me is the Jalen Brunson deal. That one was kind of controversial. I was surprised. I get he balled out in the playoffs, but that's a lot of money. And I get it's New York, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, it was. Um, and I thought, I was honestly kind of surprised with how Kevin O'Connor, have you heard his take on it? No, I have not. He like is fully in favor of it. Like he defended the reason why Brunson should get that money and stuff like that. And about how like, it's the first time the Knicks have had a good point guard since Marbury. Yeah, that's true. It just seems like one of those deals that's not going to age well because he, it's a pretty small sample of us seeing him, uh, us seeing him be the kind of guy that gets paid like that. And he's a small guard. Um, And it's the Knicks that doesn't have much around him. My thought was, like, deals just get more and more expensive every year, you know, so maybe by the end of it, let's say he he plays okay. He plays solid. I know there's no way I can't do it. No, it's just not going to be. It's going to be a lot of money no matter what year it is. It's just a lot of money. Also, next one, I'm irritated that P.J. Tucker is in Philly. That makes me so angry. <laughs> oh, man, that makes me so angry. Is Daryl Morey just rebuilding the Rockets? 
but with Joel Embiid this time. Yeah, it didn't work the first. Well, I guess that might make it work. I was like, it didn't work the first time, but I forgot. Uh, Clint Capella to Joel Embiid. I wonder if that's an upgrade. Yeah. Offensively, <laughs> honestly, or defensively. I don't know if it matters which way. Yeah. Gosh dang it, dude. <laughs> what was another one? Gary Payton going to Portland. Yeah. Boo. For Portland, like, what do you mean, boo? I thought I thought almost all of the Warriors guys got paid dramatically. Mm. Yeah, like, I I was like I get it I I get it, but also remember when Gary Payton almost didn't make the team? Yeah, that was just this season at the beginning of the season. Like literally, like I understand. It was between Who him knows? and Avery Bradley, just for context. <laughs> oh my. I didn't know that, but that makes it so much better. Yeah. Yeah, I and I like it's just interesting to me that how much Warriors players got paid. Yeah, no for sure. I was I was surprised by the number. Uh is three years twenty eight, right? That sounds right. I was surprised by the number mainly just because I saw it right after I saw the Bruce Brown deal with the Nuggets, uh, which was two years thirteen. That is a great deal. That is next level wonderful. Yeah. And I've also heard like Bruce Brown took less money than he had with other offers to go to Denver. And he said he said it was a fit thing, which shout out to Jokic. <laughs> Bruce Brown is going to pair very, very well with Nikola Jokic. They're, that's exactly the kind of player Jokic would like to have around him. A guy that just wants to get to the basket and catch a ball <laughs> yeah. and put it in. <laughs> also, shout out to Bruce Brown for reading the writing on the wall in uh, Brooklyn and knowing that this ain't going to last too long. <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. keep winning games and not just get paid, which I don't know how much more he could have gotten paid. Like, mm-hmm. but like I would, if so, if he would have said like, Oh, I signed a three or 30 million, I would have, I would not have been like, what? You know what I mean? I would have, that yeah, would have no. made sense to me. Same. Um, so, so the fact that like, it's shorter, but six and a half mil a year. Mm-hmm. That how much above that is the mid-level exception. It can't be by not that much. much. Yeah. So, yeah, uh-huh. no, that was a great pickup by Denver. Also, I was getting all excited about my Celtics. Denver also did a couple things that are like, okay, DeAndre Jordan, not so much okay. But they're going to be, uh, I think the other biggest thing, and I'm sure that I'm preaching to the choir. Well, I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but the Denver team healthy has played less games together than uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have in the past two years. Like, mm-hmm. like they have not been able to all be healthy for a 10-game stretch probably. Which maybe that's kind of a forever problem for MPJ and an unfortunate knee thing for Jamal Murray. But um, that's just one thing that I think people forget about is like the the Nuggets were like a legitimate playoff threat about as crippled as you could be without losing your best player. Yeah. Like Kompatsu yep. played a lot of playoff minutes, which sounds yeah. gross to say. Our, our literal backcourt, starting backcourt, that played 35 minutes plus every game for – two series in a row was Faku Campazzo and Austin Rivers. Oh, uh, shout out to Austin Rivers. And Marcus Howard was one of the backups in that. None of those guys play in this, like this season. They're not going to be in a rotation on any team. <laughs> <laughs> they were our starting backcourt. It's like how I felt when Brad Wanamaker was playing playoff minutes. And I was like, why yeah. can we not find a different person to play point guard? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really glad we got KCP in place of Monte and Will Barton because 
where Will Barton and Monte Morris come in handy that KCP doesn't is more of like the ball handling ability uh, type of thing, which we're not going to need near as much of um, with Jamal back and Bones Highland uh, continuing to, to develop. And then obviously Jokic is going to have the ball a lot. Um, even Porter coming back, handling it a little bit. Gordon, people forget sometimes that that's kind of one of his skills on the offensive end is being a little bit of a facilitator. Um, so I'm glad we, we were able to cash in two of those guys that had kind of a overlapping skill, you know, on the roster for a guy that's just going to defend and shoot, you know? Um, and he can do a little bit more if you ask him to, but at the minimum, you know, what you're going to get from him is defense and shooting. Yes. Yeah. So I guess some other deals, um, maybe I should actually look at some on my phone instead of just trying to use my brain. There was a James Harden took less. Uh, like he declined his option, which is forty-seven million, and then re-signed a contract for thirty million a year with the Sixers, which is very uncharacteristic. Well, also, I don't know if he was in a situation where he ever truly bought in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think Embiid, as much as he annoys like non-Suns fans or South Sixers fans, I think that he does a really good job of like being an approachable, likable guy. <laughs> on an NBA roster. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit surprised though, after, you know, in the post game stuff in the playoffs, uh, Joel Embiid saying things like, Oh, James Harden, he's not that, he's not that scorer anymore. He's just a facilitator. I was like, I wonder if that's like good for James Harden to hear, or if he's offended by that. Like, well, I, cause I really feel like Embiid's the type of guy that'll say it to your face too. I don't think that he's like, so I wonder if he's just like, it's okay, bro. Yeah. I need a facilitator too. Mm -hmm. And if you hit shots when you like it, you don't need to be the 40 points a game carries to the, like, I'll do that. Be, be a different piece of the championship. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I, I do think as much as he makes me mad, um, I've learned to appreciate him beat a little bit more. I think he's just really, like for being new to the game in terms of life, he's a really smart basketball guy. Yeah. But don't tell Anthony I said that. <laughs> Yeah, and then I guess we'll end this in the best way possible, uh, talking about Ricky Rubio. So Ricky Rubio, you know, he was having the season of his career last year with the Cavs, and the Cavs were having a great season, unpredictably, other than by me. But um, <laughs> And then he got traded to the Pacers after he tore his ACL, um, unfortunately. And then now after his contract was up with the Pacers because he was on an expiring deal, he's going back to the Cavs uh, for a three-year deal, 18.4 mil, um, which is pretty team-friendly, honestly. It's only 6.1-something a year. So, yeah, love to see it. Rick Rubio is one of my guys. It was just interesting uh, is, the, is, I feel like, the best way to say it. It was just an interesting move. I feel like the Pacers had to know. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been also they didn't want... I don't know what the Pacers are going to do this year. They might be trading Miles Turner because they trade Brogdon. So they might just go full rebuild, which they started to earlier this season. And then they were like, wait, no, we're not going to. And now they, they are again, I guess, because they traded to bonus, you know, and it was like, oh, they're blowing it up. But now they actually are, I think. 
Yeah, their uh, front office looks as confused as their coaching decision last year. So yeah, um, it's it's just a rough one. But yeah, they lost T.J. Warren too. T.J. Warren signed with the Nets. That is true. Yeah, they they lost a lot and a lot of like, and we didn't bring it up. Everybody listening, Zach Levine got paid. Uh, you could just go through a bunch of people. There's just Jokic got paid. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um, scroll Kat, through the list here really Devin quick. Devin Booker both got paid uh, a lot. Yeah, Cat Devin Booker got paid. Um, Jalen Brunson got paid, but we touched on that one. Um, shout out to Mo Bamba for getting a deal. That's not really as related, but we don't really need to oh, go into it. Lou Dort. Did what did you think of Lou Dort? It was four years, eighty-seven and a half. I think. I think it maybe was it was what a, we, I think it was five years. Five years, eighty-seven and a half. I feel like it was. Uh, we view it as an overpay, but he has gotten better at offense every single year. So by the end of it, they might have a legitimately like twenty points a game with lock lockdown defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe 15, point, 15 to 20 points a game lockdown defense. I'd take that for that money in five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I loved it. The first, like, right when I saw it, I was like, that is like the perfect amount for Lou Dort. I, I felt like, at least. Maybe overpay next year, underpay at the end. Like, it was just a, from the team side. You know what I mean? That's where I looked at it. Because, mm-hmm. like, what Lou Dort now, and people, like, can't get out of their head to, like, he can't do anything. Like, when in the bubble. Was it the bubble when the Thunder were like... Yeah, when he was the James Harden... Uh, like, he just shut down James Harden, but yeah. then he got, like, four chances at a wide-open three to win the game, and he couldn't hit any of them. Yeah. And, like, everybody can't get that out of their head. He's turned... I'm going to look it up. He's turned into an okay offensive piece. Yeah, no, especially just shot creation ability. Like, he can actually get buckets a little bit. But, yeah, 17 points, five rebounds, two assists, and then there was his defense, but... What was his three-point percentage? Um, on the season, probably pretty low, but he didn't. He doesn't have any spacing around him. Thirty-three percent. Yeah. So that's what I was. I was gonna guess, but somewhere in that ballpark. Um, Field goals are forty percent. Free throws eighty-four percent. These don't sound like an offensive like. What a bum. Eighty-four is good. Yeah, for free throw shooting, that that definitely projects to be a little bit better of a shooter. Field goals a little low, but he's also not taking a yeah. ton of shots because he has. Oh, man, the Thunder are going to be so fun. Anyway, mm-hmm. thank you for asking me to be on, my guy. Yes, I think this is a good spot to end. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, be checking out the YouTube channel. I'll probably be getting back to uploading more consistently, putting out some Purtle videos as well as some Sporkle quiz videos, which I still haven't heard if people like those or not, but I know for sure people like the Purtle ones, so I'll be doing some of those. Um, and, yeah, just keep updating the spotify feed also keep refreshing that is this going on youtube this is just going to go on spotify i think okay go to the most recent video and comment if you had to pick one limp biscuit song to be your walk-up song for wrestling what limp biscuit song would you pick that is a great question yeah mine is my way but only the yeah yeah like at the beginning where like they're whispering words into the mic not the rest of the song just the whispering part i would i would definitely have to either go break stuff or nookie Oh, that's also it's crazy to me that Fred Durst was pulling Christina Aguilera at one point in time. <laughs> that blows my mind. But anyway, that is what I will leave the podcast on. I was not expecting that we would be talking about Limp Bizkit at all. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, like I said, check out all, all the stuff. Just, you know, you know what to do. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.